0: Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. I just want you to know you have an effect on the quality of my day. So thank you for caring about Faith Radio and and thank you for caring about my show and me. And thank you for tuning in and listening and going to the podcast and occasionally writing me notes. It just means a whole lot. So thank you very much. Hope you've had a great week. We serve a God of wonders. He does divine acts beyond our human understanding. And he is always showing us his limitless power, his constant presence and his divine protection and his sovereign purposes. So as it says in Colossians 2.8, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. I love that verse, Colossians 2.8 why I love having Alex McFarlane on to talk about truth and the majesty of Almighty God. Alex has written a new book, which just came out, called 100 Bible Questions and Answers, and we're going to continue to chat about that book. He's a regular guest on the show. You, of course, know that. So, uh, Alex, welcome back. Well, thank you, Bill.
1: Uh, It's great to be on.
0: Yeah. So, I'm thoroughly enjoying your book, uh, 100 Bible Questions and Answers, and I I wouldn't mind chatting a little bit more about... um, how much i love having books like yours because you can pick it up for 5 minutes, learn a whole lot and then put it back down.
1: Well, to God be the glory. Um, yeah. I like that. Um do you remember a book, this is easily from 30 years ago and it was called My Answer by Billy Graham. I don't. Well, he did a big book of Bible questions and answers and um I was a new believer and I was at the mall one time at a bookstore and um I saw this book and it was it had a, kind of a burgundy cover, Billy Graham's picture on the back, and I knew enough to know that he was a you know preacher on TV that my mom and dad liked a lot. But it was a big book of questions and answers, and I I thought, man, this is the greatest thing ever. <laughs> I mean, it was like an A to Z of any topic you could ever think of, and so I just thought, man, someday I would love to write a book like that. And in a way. Um, you know we we did we answered a hundred questions from people that you know have heard us on the radio and things like that, but in a way i I really prayed about it that the Lord, after all these years, had allowed me to do a book somewhat similar to the Billy Graham book that impacted my life several decades ago
0: and Alex, I love having a show where I regularly invite listeners to ask questions because I think that's one of the greatest. Uh, advantages you can offer people is to say, here I've got great theologians and teachers and pastors and preachers and and people who've been studying God's word for thirty, forty, fifty years, and let's uh, let's use their uh, expertise and knowledge of God's word, and let's ask some good questions.
1: Well, you know, and and the good news is there are answers. L- listen to this. I was on, and I don't engage a lot on social media because sometimes it can just be a long, long, long waste of time. I mean, if, if people specifically seem like they're in a spiritual you know, um, crisis or something, I'll try to weigh in on things. But um, I was, the other morning I was getting ready to leave and go to the airport, and I had a little extra time. And there were some atheists that were having this uh, battle on Twitter about God. Long story short, it was like they were basically saying the idea of God was nonsensical. Because um, God has characteristics, supposedly, these atheists said, but how could he have these characteristics, like all power, omnipotence, and all knowledge, omniscience? Because to have any characteristics, you have to be born first, and yet God is supposedly eternal. And so how could God um, be born, but yet he's supposedly eternal the bottom line, these atheists were trying to say that the idea of God was, you know, internally contradictory. And so I just felt like I would weigh in on this thing, because um, one of my favorite passages, Bill, and I just think it is so profound, and, and I, I submit, not only is there nothing like this in all of the belief systems of the other religions, Um, I don't think the human mind on its own could have ever even come up with this. And it's Exodus 3.14, where uh, Moses asks God, the voice of the burning bush, you know, well, if I'm supposed to go before Pharaoh, who shall I say sent me? And God says, I am, has sent you. I am that I am. And and without going too much into the details, Bill, I mean, I was I've studied this for a long time because that is just the most profound thing. So I I tweet to these atheists. I said, well, see, that's what makes God utterly, absolutely unique, that his essence, his attributes, and his existence are the same. In other words, it is God's nature to exist. God could not not exist. So in Exodus 3.14, when God says, I am that I am, he was essentially saying that it it was his nature to exist. And so God didn't have to be born or get a start to have his characteristics or his attributes. He eternally has been eternal, and he eternally—so anyway, I just fired off a tweet. Well, like three atheists said, wow— you know, that actually makes sense. Um, and I was thinking, oh, my goodness, I can't believe it. Actually, some atheists are tweeting me back going, hey, thanks. That, that helps me out. <laughs> so all of that to say, um, yeah, there are questions, and that's fine to have questions. But you know what? God has given us answers, and in his word, he's revealed himself, and we can we can know who God is, and even more than that, we can know the Lord personally. And I just think that's the whole purpose of life, is to know the Lord and to grow in the Lord. And um, and uh, so it, it is a joy, isn't it, to, to yeah. know the Word that He's revealed to the human race.
0: Yeah. Alex, uh, before we get to your book, I was thinking about the passage where uh, it says that, the Bible is foolishness to those who are perishing. So, That's true. when we're talking to the people who are outside the body of Christ, who are not believers, uh, why would we be using the Bible as a source of um, motivation to draw them to God if they think it's going to be utterly foolish?
1: Well, wow. You know, well, you know, you're right. In uh, 2 Corinthians, it says that the Word of God is foolishness to those who are perishing, but it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save those that would believe. Um, I I think it's important lovingly, not not brazenly or not in a way that's, you know, confrontational, but I, I think we do need to proclaim truth even when it appears no one is watching, because Isaiah 55 says that the Word of God um, will accomplish its purpose. You know, God, um, the Word of God is not sown in vain, and it will accomplish the purpose for which God sends it. And you just never know. I mean, the Spirit of the Lord has a way of making truth kind of be like a a stone in somebody's shoe. So I think we have to proclaim truth even when it may seem prima facie nobody's listening because chances are they are listening. And I've had, Bill, literally dozens of people come back over the years and they would say things like, you know, Mr. McFarland, you really, I heard you on the radio and it really made me mad. You Christians, you know, you think you have absolute truth, but I walked around thinking about it for six months and I just wanted to let you know I became a Christian. So, uh the Word of God does not return void. It does accomplish things that uh, the Holy Spirit does in the hearts of the listeners.
0: Mm-hmm. I also came across this verse in my study this week, Alex, and it's Romans fourteen nineteen that says, so then we must pursue what promotes peace and what builds up one another.
1: Yeah, well... That's true. And, and, you know, the word build up there really means edify. Um, in other words, it's the contributing to the spiritual growth of somebody. But I've got to say this that I, I don't think we as Christians should seek peace at any cost. I mean, if the cost is truth, you know, I want to be at peace with everybody and I want to edify everybody. But if it means denying God's revelation, we're not going to do that. I mean, if I've got to deny that Jesus is who he claimed to be, or or even biblical morality, you know, people nowadays, they'll say, well, you know, you Christians say that marriage is only between a man and a woman. I thought I was supposed to love my neighbor. Well, yeah, we are supposed to love our neighbor, but um, we, we're supposed to love God more. And I, I don't think we... we should or I really don't think we can compromise truth in the quest for peace. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, the the most loving thing to do is to tell people the truth, really. In fact, if they need to hear truth that can save their soul to compromise that message that would literally change their eternity, uh, that's unloving.
0: Amen to that. So, as I'm looking in your book, 100 Bible Questions and Answers, I know we always come across things as we're studying, and it says in Genesis 1, that says Adam and Eve were made at the same time. Genesis 2 says the woman was created from Adam's rib. So, as we read this, we go, all right, how do we reconcile that?
1: Well, you know, uh, in, in Genesis 1, Genesis 1, it says God made man and woman made in the image of God, in the image of God created he them. But really then in Genesis 2, it's kind of a restatement or a retelling of the creation account with the emphasis on the creation of the first people. Now, um, in both Genesis 1, 26 through 28, and Genesis 2, um, the creation of Adam and Eve is on the sixth day but it's too, it's really just two different retellings of the same account.
0: Mm-hmm. Appreciate that. Uh, this is kind of one of the great questions in Alex McFarland's book called 100 Bible Questions and Answers. Mm-hmm. If you have a specific question uh, for Alex today, let it, let me know what it is, 877-933-2484. We'll take a short break, and we'll be right back with Alex in just a minute. Alex McFarland's coming up to bat. That is his walk-up music. We're so glad to have him on the show. He's written a book called 100 Bible Questions and Answers, which is a great resource. Now, Alex, I i know philosophy is known as the study of thinking. Uh, what role does philosophy have in the Christian faith?
1: Oh, great question. And and by the way, thanks for the surf music coming oh, you in. I, I I really appreciate that. <laughs> and, uh, I know you do. Hey, and Thanks for your wonderful listeners. You know, uh, being on the program and being on the Faith Radio Network, more and more I get emails and correspondence from people in Minnesota, and I know that's due to you. And so uh, I I cherish the friendship. I really do. Thank you. You know, the Bible says uh, avoid vain philosophy. Do you you remember that verse? Um, My mom, when I was um, in grad school and I came home one time and I said, hey, I'm going to do a master's in philosophy, and she said, son, Colossians 2.8 says avoid vain philosophy, uh, and I said, well, we're, we're going to do the non-vain kind. I didn't know <laughs> how to answer her, but yeah. um, you know, um, philosophy is really from two words, uh, philo, like Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. Well, and the word sophistry can mean like trickery and flim-flam, but true philosophy is really love of knowledge or love of truth. Now, um, there there is, as you, you mentioned earlier in the show, the philosophies of the world, the, the basic rudiments of the world, Colossians talks about, rather than the revelation of God. And Psalm 19 says, the heavens and earth bear witness to the glory of God. Romans, you know, talks about this too, that from the creation of the world, God's power and attributes are seen. Now, philosophers use a term they call natural theology. What from nature can we learn about God? And I've found even traveling to, you know, third world countries, developing nations, even uh, people that have never been to college, never had any education. I mean I've I've talked through interpreters with people who probably have never even been in in a building, and yet they they'll point to the horizon and they'll talk about there must be a God because all of this came from somewhere. In other words, creation must have come from a creator. And this is, you know, Romans one nineteen. Um so philosophy Invol- I mean, true philosophy means responding to the knowledge that you have creation and conscience. Mm. Tell us there must be this God, a creator, that we out, outside we see his handiwork. We look in the stars and the heavens above, and something within us says, you know, this was designed. But then even within our heart, I mean, there's our conscience. And when we do wrong, we feel bad about it. And you you know Bill Evolution and secularism Really has no answer for this Why, Why we feel this Compulsion that we really Ought to act morally And just as creation Had to have a creator The moral law within us Had to come from a moral law giver Now that's natural theology But then there's special revelation Scripture and Savior The Bible and Jesus show us who God is and how we can know Him. But true philosophy is not atheistic or secular. True philosophy, true love of knowledge will, if we're honest, lead us to the source of all truth, and that's God Himself.
0: Mm -hmm. Great answer, Alex. Thank you for that. All right, the word gospel, let's see, it means good news for sure, and I Mm -hmm. think it occurs roughly 93 times uh, in the New Testament a question that a listener just texted in is uh the word gospel seems to have short and long definitions what is yours
1: well well great question great from question. your 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 very astute audience yes. well the the good news i mean the word gospel euangelizo means good news short answer uh, is that the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus for the sins of the world. Uh, Paul says this in 1 Corinthians fifteen three through 5 I delivered unto you that which I first received. Christ died, was buried according to the Scriptures, rose again. Now you might think, well, ha, what, what's this have to do with me? How's this good news? Well, the good news is that God loved you, and even though we're sinners— were valuable to God and He in the greatest way possible, with great personal investment and pain and cost, God made it possible for us to be forgiven. And that was that he took it took his you know, enfleshed himself, died on the cross, rose again. So the short answer is the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus for our sins. The long answer is that he was promised, he was prophesied, he was born, he lived, he died. And, and here's the crux of it, Bill, and I would say to everybody listening, um, the appropriate measure of God's wrath that you and I deserved was poured on to Jesus. And if we were to deal with our own sin, I mean, if we die in a state of unbelief and guilt, Uh, We can pay for our own sins, but that's eternal separation from God in hell. But if if we accept that Jesus died for our sins and that the wrath we deserve was deflected onto Christ, and we we say, okay, Lord, I, I understand that, and you're offering me this gift of forgiveness. And Jesus, the Son of God, suffered and died for me, and I accept that he paid for my sins, and I believe in that, and I will follow him and live for him, then we can be saved. And not, not only rescued to heaven from hell, but we um, can grow and live. And, you know, the longer I've been a Christian, Bill, salvation is not just, you know, going to heaven, not hell, although that's obviously very important. The The great thing, equally as good as going to heaven, is walking through this life with Jesus. And the Spirit of God grows us and shapes us and matures us. And um, when I was a 21-year-old college student, I put my faith in Jesus because I understood that he loved me. But, you know, I didn't want to go to hell. Mm-hmm. I mean—, yeah. I mean I'll just be be honest with you. I came to Christ because I didn't want to die lost. But now 35 years as a Christian, um, I'm like, wow, God is so loving because, yeah, sure, we have eternity. But in this life, too, God, God turns us into something that is very different than what we would have been had we lived our life without it. And... let let me say one last thing uh bill you've probably known people that have been a christian for a lot of years we all have and i hope everyone listening is walking with the lord even right now um one of the greatest blessings of salvation is not just eternity but it's what god turns us into that is something better than we would have been i mean god god saves us from hell But he saves us from ourselves, doesn't he? What is he ever? You know, C.S. Lewis said that, you know, C.S. Lewis said that, um, you know, there's a very famous quote. He says, "There, there are no ordinary people, quote unquote. He said that coworker, that neighbor, that ordinary person, if you could see them in eternity in a glorified state, they would be so. Um, splendorous, you would be tempted to fall and worship them, <laughs> and in a in the the state of damnation, they would be such a hellish monster they might terrify you and he said, and yet we we think about ordinary people, but really, because we are an eternal soul, Lewis said, the glorification of a soul or the condemnation of a soul. Uh, has much more implication than we even can calculate, mm-hmm. and so I, I praise God not only for heaven, of course, but the gospel includes what we become as we as we truly let Jesus be the Lord of our lives.
0: Yeah, fantastic, Alex. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Always great to be with you.
1: Always, Bill. Thank you so much, and thank you for your wonderful listeners.
0: You bet, Doctor Alex McFarlane has been my guest, and go to. Um, alexmcfarlane.com to learn more about his books and his writings. We'll take a little break. When we come back, it's going to be Friday with Friends. Claire Peterson is my guest. To the afternoon show, where I guarantee to annoy someone in your carpool. Today is Friday with friends, and I want to, uh, whenever I want to be encouraged that the next generation will be standing strong for Christ. I like to talk to my guest, Claire Peterson, who is fortunately in studio with me. Claire, welcome.
2: Hello, I'm so happy to be here. Very well, grateful.
0: I am so glad you're here. I am excited to hear about uh, and let my listeners know about your your life because it's so interesting. And You are the daughter of a dear, dear friend of mine, and I think it's uh, going to be a fun time to talk about what God's doing in your life, what God's done in your life, and uh, how you grew up and how it all got started.
2: Yes, well, thank you so much, Bill, and I'm happy to share, yep, my story, you know, my faith journey, um, and, you know, I definitely don't have kind of a normal, haven't had a normal upbringing. Um, I grew up overseas, I was born in London, and then moved to Singapore, so, yes.
0: So, growing up in London, what was that like, and how old were you when you, when you moved to Singapore?
2: Yep, so I uh, was born in London, uh, my parents moved there for work uh, from Minneapolis, and then when I was 12, we moved to Singapore. And that's where I finished middle school, high school, uh, and started working there right after college as well. And then I recently moved to the U.S. uh, about three years ago to work.
0: Yeah, so your dad moved to London to work as a car mechanic?
2: (laughs) Yeah, so he, yeah, was pretty excited about that. That (laughs) wasn't fair. Yeah, we can get rid of that.
0: Yeah, (laughs) we'll work around that. So um, when you... uh, grew up in London, uh, what was it like for you and your sister uh just to be Americans uh growing up in London going to school and and what was that like?
2: We loved it um, you know we really didn't I was you know my sister was born in Minneapolis before my parents moved, but we would always come back to Minneapolis in the summer, but other than that, we were in London all year round, and you know it 's a very diverse place, very A lot of different uh, people just from all over the world. So I really liked that aspect. And I think having grown up there enabled me to relate to people from all over the world. And and yeah, it was a wonderful experience, a wonderful time.
0: Did you ever think I'd really like to get the cool accent? Because you don't have it.
2: I had it when I was really little. Yes. I had a very strong British accent. So I'm told until I was maybe three or four. And And then kind of, you know, I guess it died out. We actually, so my dad is a Francophile and really loves French culture and decided to put us in French schools when we were super little and we had French nannies at home. So this is kind of a whole other part of my story. But I think that's maybe one of the reasons I lost the British accent is because I then went to French schools and I was really only speaking French at school and then, you know, English at home with mom and dad and they have pretty strong American accents. <laughs> yes, they so, do. Yeah. So
0: French immersion, did you start that like in first grade?
2: Yes, a little before that. So I went to a French immersion kind of kindergarten and then, uh you know, started school at four or five. And then I went all the way through in French till I graduated high school.
0: So you pretty much spoke French through high school?
2: Only French. Yeah, <laughs> very minimal English classes. There's only a few times a week and, you know, a lot of non-native English speakers in, in my class. And in, in many respects, French is kind of my first language So it's pretty unusual.
0: Yeah. What is your advice for parents that are thinking about doing the immersion programs, the French or Spanish or German?
2: I think it's awesome. I would definitely want to do that with my kids and at least pass the language on. I think it's a gift when you, you know, are able to learn it so young because you really, I never remember being in a room not speaking French. I was so little that you just really absorb so much at that age. And I think it's a real gift. If you're, you know, can give your kids that gift, why not?
0: Yeah, fantastic.
2: really very grateful.
0: Yeah, so speaking French, and is your sister in the French program too?
2: She is, Yep. We both, so my sister's three years older. She went before me in French schools, and then I followed suit, and she did very well. So, you know, it was nice that she was able to kind of experiment or be kind of the, you know,
0: experimental project. When you call to talk to your sister, do you guys talk French?
2: We do, Yep. We speak kind of a a franglais, so a mix between French and English, which is uh, maybe strange. What was the word you used? Franglais so kind of like French-English dialects that we have. But it's it's a lot of fun. We do like to speak French together, and especially around my parents because they don't really understand us.
0: Yeah, so how would you say I love the afternoon show with Bill Arnold in French?
2: J'aime beaucoup uh, l'entretien de l'après-midi avec Bill Arnold. Oh, there you go. <laughs> avec Bill. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's fantastic. So, all right, now you've, you've, uh, you grew up in London until you were 12. Did you guys have a, a good church family you were a part of?
2: We did. So, mom and dad are very strong Christians. They would take us to church. We went to a church called All Souls in London. You know probably know very well. have been there. Yes.
0: Your dad took me there.
2: Yep, it's a wonderful church. Uh, so we started there in Sunday school, uh, and then when we moved to Singapore. We we started going to church there with mom and dad, and I asked Jesus into my life at the age of nine, and I distinctly remember that because one of my spiritual mentors at the time had a party for me and gave me like a red rose and marked the occasion. So <laughs> I definitely remember that being a turning point in my faith when I was in London. And then moving to Singapore, you know, I was 12 and then started going into middle school and kind of didn't really maybe want to go to Sunday school as much in that season.
0: Mm-hmm. So what was it like trying to make new friends in Singapore, age 12?
2: It was, it was, I would say, actually surprisingly easy going to Singapore because it's such an international place. There are... A lot of new kids in school coming and going. It's a very transient place as well. So every two to three years, you have new kids in school. And so people are very used to welcoming new students. And I found it was very easy to slot right in there. And um, Singapore is kind of a dream for every kid because it's hot every day of the year. It's on the equator, so it's always warm. And you have, like, swimming pools everywhere. And it's just kind of you know, year-round vacation place. Uh, So we loved it. Yeah, (laughs) Mm -hmm. we really liked Singapore a lot.
0: Yeah, so now you're moving into high school in Singapore, and are you finding uh, groups, Bible study groups? Are you finding, like, uh, fellowship groups?
2: Yep, so my parents were also pretty involved in Young Life growing up, and then they worked at a Young Life camp. Yes, Uh, so they did Malibu as Young Life leaders, Uh adult uh, leaders. So mom always encouraged me to go to Young Life uh, events in middle school, high school, uh, a Wildlife, I guess, in middle school and then Young Life in high school. And I loved that. And that was a great way to just meet, you know, other Christians my age and also just so much fun. I think that the events that Young Life put on were always a ton of fun uh, and a great way to experience, you know, God's love in a, um, a fun and real way. And then I ended up working at a Young Life camp on uh, summer stuff when I was 18, 19, uh, which I loved as well. So, yeah.
0: Where where was that camp?
2: That was Minneapolis, Minnesota, the okay. Castaway uh, Young Life Camp. Yes. Oh, and I right. had gone there as a camper when I was 12 and then went as a summer staffer. Yes.
0: Yeah. Which is a fantastic camp, by the way.
2: It's so much fun. It's yeah. the best camp. Yeah. The zip line, I remember so well, and just the most beautiful place, really. It's I so loved it. Yeah. Both times I loved it. And I grew a lot of my faith there. Um, you know, you're just in this kind of bubble of, you're only with, you know, people who have a strong faith and Christians. And uh, I think. It's not really reality, but it's a great way to grow in your faith.
0: There's a lot of positive it. peer pressure, though, isn't there? If everyone mm-hmm. is uh, living for the Lord and and walking out their faith, it's really a great environment to be in.
2: Yes, wonderful environment, and to get to go for a whole summer when yeah. you're you know doing summer staff or uh, you do work crew, so that's another avenue you can go down. It's it's a great way because you're there for you know four weeks, and it's different when you go. For a week for, as a camper, uh, but to go for that amount of time is really transformational.
0: Yeah, I love that word, Claire, transformational, mm-hmm. because uh, it sounds like that was one of those opportunities, those summers that really made a difference in your faith journey.
2: It did, yep. That was a really turning point, I think, for me to be able to go at that age because it was right before I went to college, and I think I really needed that season to mm-hmm really spend time with the Lord and grow in my faith before kind of going into a much tougher environment, a very secular environment when I went to college. Um, so I, I'm really grateful I got that
0: opportunity. Yeah. What do you remember um, the Lord showing you in those times, those those three months at summer camp that you thought, hmm, I'm not sure I would have understood this perspective had I not been in this environment?
2: I think just being around, because I was also a year younger than a lot of the other summer staffers, so um, getting to learn from other Christians who had already been in college for a year and okay. they were able to tell me kind of what, you know, that was like and how, you know, what the struggles were like for them their first year in college, I was able to kind of have that insight and I really appreciated that and just a wonderful place to worship and... um I think just, but definitely just being surrounded by other Christians, a little bit older than me, but, you know, around the same age who knew more and had some wisdom to share. And also, you know, a lot of wisdom from the leaders there and the speakers. And uh, I really needed and appreciated that.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Claire Peterson is my guest. We're having Friday with Friends today. And I love Friday with Friends. I wish I did it more. But so, Claire, you finished uh, high school in Singapore and now you're moving on to a secular college. Where did you go?
2: I went to University of Melbourne in Australia.
0: Oh, just keeps getting more interesting.
2: So I'm very culturally confused as a result. (laughs) Um, But I really was curious about Australia. And, you know, it's not that far from Singapore uh, relatively to the rest of the world. And I figured, why not go... As an undergraduate and have that experience now because it'll probably be harder later and I'm so glad I did I had such a good experience there and yes
0: and what did you study
2: I did a Bachelor of Arts degree so in Australia they call it a Bachelor of Arts but it's a liberal arts degree it would be known as that in the US and majored in history and did some economics and languages but I had a lot of freedom to do other subjects outside of my major mm-hmm. and I stayed in a residential college called Trinity College uh, so if you're familiar with Oxford and Cambridge in the UK it's modeled off that same system the colleges are where you live and have clubs and societies and sports and so forth so it's it's a really cool environment to be in.
0: Mm-hmm. seems like college is one of those times when your faith gets the most tested yes yeah <laughs> what was your experience like heading to to university of australia
2: so It really was a testing point because having, like I said, you know, just gone to Young Life summer camp and I was there for a whole summer and surrounded by all these, you know, strong Christians, I went to Australia, which I'd say is a very secular place. Uh, There aren't as many churches. It's Christianity, you know, it's not a, yeah, I I would just say it's a very secular place. And so it was definitely hard for me to find a church home. I remember, the first or second Sunday after moving there, I tried to go to an Anglican church, and uh, I really didn't relate to anybody there or find community, or maybe I just felt like a fish out of water. I wasn't sure, but I very shortly thereafter just stopped going to church. And I remember, you know, the the friends I made on campus weren't Christian, and they didn't really go, and so I didn't go. And it really was it t- tested my faith a lot. And I think maybe God wanted me to be in that environment to see how I would react just being in a different, you know, circumstance. Um, And so for that whole three years, I really didn't go to church at all when I was in college and it was really hard for me. Um, It was easy and it was, you know, it went well, but it didn't. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But what about your, your personal uh, faith life? Just even though you're not in church, you're still studying God's word and staying Mm. in, in fellowship, I'm sure with other people.
2: I did. So I did I was part of a Bible study for my first semester and um, you know, I never questioned God's existence at all. I always prayed and I, you know, never I, I would, you know, if people asked me I would say I was a Christian. I just didn't have that community and I wasn't going to church in that season. Uh and I think that as a result I just fell further away from the Lord because I felt like God wouldn't want to hear from me anymore. I felt kind of some shame around just not going to church and having that community or not really having any Christian friends. Uh, And I would still pray. And I remember kind of even around like exam time, I would pray and, you know, (laughs) that always mattered to me and made a difference. But uh, it's, you know, it wasn't the same. I think not having, not being surrounded and having the Christian community really did take a toll. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. All right, I'll take a little break. We are talking to Claire Peterson today, and it's Friday with Friends, and I love Friday with Friends, and I'm so glad that Claire is able to spend some time with me today. We'll take a little break, and we'll be right back in just a minute. Friday with friends. My friend is Claire Peterson, who's with me in studio. Really quite a remarkable uh, life journey, life story, and her faithfulness has been uh, very inspiring, Claire. I love hearing about your walk with the Lord. I'd love to hear a little bit more about your testimony.
2: Yes, I would love to share more about it. Uh, I guess we left off with kind of where I was in college. That's true. University um, of
0: Australia. yes. Yes, so
2: I was in Australia and You know, I think for me, it was really when I graduated after having been there for three years, not going to church, not really having a faith community that I was really seeking. And I had some kind of setbacks when I was in college and it really brought me to my knees. And um, I think for the first time I needed to understand the faith and Christianity for myself. So when I graduated, I moved back to Singapore. My parents were living there at the time. uh, And I took this alpha course. I'm sure you know it. Um, So Nikki Gumbel, who... Pastors, Holy Trinity, Brompton in London, came up with the Alpha Course, and it's a great uh, just series to understand the Christian faith. Um, It's very easy to understand, and it just breaks down, you know, who is Jesus, and why did he die, and who's the Holy Spirit? And I signed up, and it transformed my life. I needed to kind of relearn everything from zero, I guess, and just understand my faith and what it meant to me in a, a fresh new way, um, because I think when your parents are Christian and take you to church growing up, for me, sometimes it kind of went in one year and out the other. I would go to Sunday school. I didn't really want to be there because my friends weren't there. And um, I needed to do that kind of seeking in that season uh, in my early 20s. So that was, I guess, 2017. I did the Alpha course. And um, I just attribute that course to kind of, I don't know, renewing my faith. And, um, you know, uh, I, I needed it. Yeah.
0: And the beauty of God's word is as we continue to uh, study God's word, God reveals new things to us all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, a passage that I read 20 years ago, well, I'll I'll see different things in it today.
2: Mm -hmm. Yes.
0: Because it's alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword.
2: Yes. And I think also just harnessing the power of the Holy Spirit and understanding how the Holy Spirit enables us to understand his word. Um, that also, you know, I, I got a better grasp of that through the Alpha course. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that helped me immensely and just, you know, his miracles are all over the Bible. And I think that just, you know, strengthened my prayer life. And I also started journaling my prayers in that season. And I think keeping a record of my prayers in a journal has transformed my faith and made it so much stronger because I see how God's moved so strongly in my life. And, If I'm ever discouraged, I can look back on what he did yesterday and I'll know, you know, he'll do it again tomorrow. And so just keeping, you know, track of my prayers and writing them down uh, is really just how I go about my prayer life. And, you know, I learned a lot of that in the Alpha course as well.
0: Mm -hmm. Claire, how do you decide God's will for your life? I love that question. (laughs) Interesting transitional period of your life right now where you're sort of between jobs, right?
2: Exactly. Yep. So I just spent the past three years in Miami and I'm currently in the process of moving and I'm not exactly sure where yet. So I'm doing a lot of seeking and trying to discern what God's will is for my life and my next steps. And it's been a time where I've been seeking him in prayer and I've been asking a lot of my spiritual mentors as well to pray for me. And I I believe in the power of prayer. I think it's immensely important to be doing that in order to seek God's will. It's one of the ways, you know, he speaks through prayer and answering and he always answers, you know, it's either yes, no, or not yet. Um, I think I heard Rick Warren say that. uh, Mm -hmm. And I think it's a great way to, you know, put that into perspective on how God answers. Uh, So I seek, you know, his will through prayer, uh, through his word. I meditate uh, daily and read his word and journal what I feel God's putting on my heart. Um, And then different podcasts I listen to. So, you know, your podcast series, your faith series, all the wonderful speakers you bring on and the insights you share. That helps me also to grow in my faith, and I believe God speaks through, you know, podcasts like this um, and different spiritual teachers and mentors that he puts in our lives.
0: I love that. And when you are sort of in that hallway where one door has closed and the other door hasn't opened yet, that's when that hallway is the darkest. Yes. And I think that's when God is most interested in what's going on in your heart. Yes. So when you are thinking and waiting for that door to open, uh, what are you saying to God every day?
2: Amen. Amen. I love that. And I feel it really speaks into my situation. Uh, And I had one of my friends shared with me that she was praying for me and had kind of a vision of being in a bunker and everything's dark. And she takes one step forward and a light will go on. Mm. And then, you know, it goes dark again. And then she takes another step forward and another light goes on. And she said it was on her heart to share that with me because you know, a lot of times God doesn't give us a detailed roadmap all at once. And I think that I was sharing frustrations with her on how I really want God to just show me his will and give me a detailed roadmap on what to do next. When in fact, you know, God is really asking me to take the next right action, you know, because faith without works is dead. I have to do my part. I think a lot of times God is waiting on me to do, you know, the next right thing. And as I take that next right action, he reveals, you know, the next step. Um, So I loved that. And then I think just with speaking into being in the transition period, I read this proverb and it was about being in a valley and talking about how the valley is the place of vision. And I thought it was so beautiful because I do in some ways feel like I'm in a valley right now. I'm in the dark. I don't really know what I'm doing next. And yet I felt God speak into my heart. You know, this is the place of clarity. It's the valleys, um, It's the places of darkness where I think we see the light, the best, where God really reveals so much to us and gives us a lot of direction and clarity and wisdom. And it's also in the valley where, you know, we're seeking him in prayer and I'm seeking him in prayer. I have nowhere else to go. That's that's what I have to do. Um, And so it's really in the valleys and in the struggles that my faith grows the most, much more than, you know, when I'm on the mountaintop or, you know, I'm not in a place of struggle and everything's going well, or I don't really need... God's help. And so that brought me a lot of perspective, I think, just with respect to being in this dark kind of room period or transition phase, just that this is the place of clarity, really.
0: Yeah. What is this? I just got a a handwritten note from my station manager. He would like to offer you my job. (laughs) That's... (laughs) That's kind of a bummer that he did it right during the interview. It's so good. I don't know about that. No. So, Claire, you also uh, went through Henry Blackaby's book on Experiencing God. That was uh, an important step, wasn't it, in terms of understanding where you are and where you're going?
2: Yes. And that book was recommended to me by one of my spiritual mentors. She actually, she's Chinese. She lives in China. Her name is Helen. And she was in my Bible study when I lived in Singapore. Uh, And she read Experiencing God. And recommended it to me and she sent me the PDF version on my phone and I believe it was I'm sure the Lord putting it on my heart to open this book when I did and he breaks down you know how to discern God's will and how God speaks in such a practical way that really did give me a lot of insight on how you know like I said before God speaks through prayer you know he speaks through us really listening to the Holy Spirit through you know, praying for every need. I believe God wants to hear all of our needs. He wants us to, I throw the kitchen sink in when I pray, (laughs) to be honest. Yeah. Even, you know, I try to start with the Lord's prayer. I try to just ask, you know, God, what his will is, pray the Lord's will be done. But at the same time, there's so many, you know, things on my heart that I want to see it come to pass. And I just, yeah, I throw all my requests in. I believe God really wants to hear from us and really wants us to pray. And so he, there's a whole chapter on prayer and how, you know, to pray and what that looks like. And then also God speaks through people, you know, God speaks through people like you, you know, coming into my life and other spiritual mentors. And I think just listening to that, those insights and wisdom is another way to hear from God. And then also through his word, you know, we can't neglect God's word. We really have to be staying in the word. And so I think for me being in a Bible study, I'm in two different Bible studies at the moment. They're both on Zoom. And that helps me immensely as well to learn uh, with other believers and, you know, stay in scripture. And I think talking about it in a group setting helps a lot rather than, you know, only reading it by myself. And yeah, that book really did change my life Mm -hmm. so good.
0: When I pray, I always remind, I'm reminding myself that God has information about my life that I don't have Mm. and he knows everything. Mm -hmm. And then I also think of the Psalm that says, you know, take delight in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. So I'm yes. always saying, "Lord, here are the desires of my heart." Mm. But what I want is what's going to be most beneficial for my soul. Yes, Amen. I, I want where I'm going to be uh, spiritually the most uh, productive and useful for His kingdom. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so that that's always the way I s- seem to want to pray. Yes. Um, and it sounds like you've you're really just keeping your your ear to the word and, mm. and waiting to hear what that next step is, and not trying to race ahead of God too far.
2: Yes. It's easier said than done. It is. It's definitely the way to go. And I love that verse as well. And also I've been meditating on Matthew six thirty three. So seek first the kingdom of God and all else will be done to you. And that has really come to pass in my own life. You know, the more I seek God first, you know, I'm so badly, like I was saying to you before, wanting to know what his will is. I want him to God to just tell me what to do. But I think you know God's really already spoken if we are seeking Him first, putting him first in our lives, and you know you're serving him in such a powerful, beautiful way through this faith series that you have and you know changing lives through that, and that brings him glory and I believe you know through doing things like this, God will reveal the next steps to us and what His will is for our lives, if it's moving to a particular place or a particular job or or whatever it is, but that as long as we're doing that, we really don't have to worry
0: mm-hmm. Claire Peterson, you're an amazing woman. Thank you so much for doing the show.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
0: So nice to have you in studio. That wraps up Friday with Friends. I'll take a short break, and we'll be right right back with Hour 2.